Welcome to the Public Health Power Hour podcast, a recording of live conversations with public health experts on the most important global health issues. I'm Steve Hamill, Vice President of Policy Advocacy and Communication at Vital Strategies. We're a global health organization and we're reimagining public health. At Vital Strategies, we believe that public health is everything that surrounds you that makes great health possible. That means clean air and water, access to medicine and quality care, healthy food and places to get exercise, and removing bias and discrimination in healthcare. Here on the Public Health Power Hour, we get together to look at how the world around us shapes our health and how we can shape the environment so that everyone everywhere has the potential for great health. And if you want to join our conversations live, please follow us on Twitter under the handle VitalStrat. Hello, and welcome to today's Public Health Power Hour. I'm Jorge Aldaya, the director of STOP at Vital Strategies. STOP is a global tobacco industry watchdog dedicated to shining a light on the industry and strengthening public health policy to save lives. The tobacco industry relies on a complex web of allies to promote its business interests and advance its agenda, helping perpetuate the global tobacco epidemic. These allies usually appear independent from the industry, but often have opaque financial links to tobacco companies or other deep-rooted connections. We're here to discuss the network of tobacco industry allies, helping push forward Big Tobacco's agenda in today's episode, Unsavory Alliances, Big Tobacco's Covert Network of Influencers. I'm joined today by our two guests, Phil Chamberlain from the University of Bath, a partner in STOP, and Ashfaq Ahmad from the Society of Alternative Media and Research based in Pakistan, which is a grantee of STOP. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about uh, a large web of organizations that work with tobacco companies to undermine public health. But before we get to that, uh, I'd like to do just a little bit of introduction with our guests today. So, um, Ashfaq, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, Just tell us a little bit about yourself uh, and Samar. Thank you, George. Um, first of all, uh, I'm grateful to Vital Strategy for giving me the opportunity uh, to talk to you today. Uh, I am Ashfaq and I am working as communication officer with Society for Alternative Media and Research based in Islamabad. Society for Alternative Media and Research has been working on tobacco control in Pakistan for the past 17 years and acting as technical resource for the Federal Ministry of National Health Services Regulations and Coordination through its flagship initiatives. Our first initiative is Coalition for Tobacco Control Pakistan, which is a a coalition of 100 member organizations across Pakistan that are uh, working uh, uh, under the umbrella of summer uh, and providing summer with tobacco industry monitoring, especially tobacco industry tactics in their respective districts and areas. Uh, after that, um, the, uh, the summer has been providing technical assistance to district governments on tobacco uh, control uh, uh, tobacco control laws and tobacco industry monitoring. Um, moreover, uh, tobacco uh, summer has uh, also been home uh, to the monitoring of uh, tobacco industry front groups in Pakistan uh, the, the, that are actively uh, participating uh, and and supporting tobacco industry in uh, materializing their goals and dreams in Pakistan. Uh, so uh, that's you. it from my side, George. Thanks, Thank Ashfaq. And uh, over to you, Phil. Do you want to just introduce yourself and, and uh, talk a little bit about your work here? 
Well, hey, thank you for that, and uh, thank you for the invitation to take part in in this podcast. Uh, so I'm Phil Chamberlain. I'm Deputy Director for the Tobacco Control Research Group at the University of Bath, and the uh, the research group is operating for another decade now, looking at the activities of transnational tobacco uh, companies, their um, tactics and strategies around uh, taxation and uh, manipulation of science and areas on uh, new products and how they uh, look to uh, subvert and um, uh, undermine tobacco control policies around around the world and as part of that um, we look at uh, the activities of uh, its front groups and allies and we publish uh, a lot of that on one of our uh, uh, prime outputs which is tobacco tactics tobacco tactics.org which um, looks at and uh, the activities of, uh, of allies as well as uh, other organizations such with the streets so people who have access to ready information so they're able to understand um, who it is that's talking on behalf of the industry even if they pretend they're not doing that um, so uh, I'm looking forward to going into that a little bit more detail over the next uh, few minutes. Well, why don't we why don't we start there, Phil? Um, what is uh, let's start from the beginning. What is what is a tobacco industry ally? <laughs> so. I- the industry um, has always looked to have uh, people speak on its behalf. Um, it allows it to uh, reach different people. It allows it to also um, uh, spread its message and to peer, to peer from organisation might be independent. So allies, front groups, astroturf groups, there are a number of different uh, types of organisation. But uh, essentially looking at an organisation which may appear to be independent, um, claims independence, um, but actually uh, is echoing the arguments uh, of the industry itself. You may have organizations which um, are quite clearly uh, uh, part of the industry. They hold or they have uh, industry members uh, on its board. They uh, they have tobacco in the title, if you like. Um, and they're obviously easy to spot and you uh, understand why uh, corporates, certain corporate sets would need to represent in that way. Um, the father bigger number of those which um, claim independence. Uh, they may hide their association and links and funding, um, but their objective is about uh, amplifying, repeating uh, industry messages, and particularly uh, so that it can influence policy decisions. Um, and that's the crucial bit is that this is for a purpose, and that purpose is to make sure that the industry's arguments, bogus or, or, or otherwise, are, are heard by policymakers, but policymakers not necessarily knowing um, who it is that's making those arguments. And you just described, um, or I thought I heard you describe, uh, different types of organizations. Um, are, are there different types or are they just categorically all the same as we're working with the tobacco industry? Yeah, so I guess as, a, as an academic, you'd uh, expect to be able to uh, differentiate on a typology of different types. But actually, there is a uh, there is a, a range of different types. You may have um, astroturf groups. So these would be um, organizations which pretend to be uh, consumer groups. So astroturf, as in uh, uh, the fake grass that you uh, the, you you have in uh, on football pitches. Um, this is fake grassroots. Um, and the example that actually probably goes back. Um, 100 years, uh, Edward Bernays had his secretary parade up and down Fifth Avenue in New York smoking a cigarette and saying it was a torch of freedom to allow women to smoke. Um, uh, and it was reported in the media as a, a demonstration of um, female empowerment uh, for smokers. Um, it was it was a public relations stunt. It was a, an astroturf group, um, if you like. And this was 1929. Um, and Bernays' client, American Tobacco Company, um, wanted to make sure it increased sales amongst women and 
having women smoke in public was one way of doing that. So the message was um, these are uh, this is a, a group of consumers um, uh, highlighting their rights. Um, actually, this was a, a, a stunt. This was an astroturf group. And um, a century on, we still see those groups um, pretending to be uh, consumer groups, but actually um, a, a creation of the industry um, uh, as, a, as a front group. And then you would have allies who um, make echo messages. Perhaps they are um, uh, paid for uh, by by the industry itself. You may have um, think tanks who um, uh, receive a financial relationship and provide uh, evidence cover. They produce reports um, and get themselves invited to conferences to talk about them as well. So um, there are different degrees of separation, I think, uh, you call it, between the industry and its various um, offshoots, if you like. Um, and they will deploy those, I think, where they see them sort of most necessary. Um, but we um, certainly see them uh, everywhere uh, in the sense that the evidence we've looked at so far, we found them in uh, dozens and dozens of countries. Um, and they are obviously a, a powerful, well-used tool, and one which the industry um, uses uh, carefully and thoughtfully. It sounds like there are a lot of these groups, and one of the key things uh, to note about them is that they might appear to be independent, right? Um, but they're actually in some way linked either financially or through relationships to, to the tobacco companies. Um, That's right, yeah. Uh, I think it's that relationship. Yeah, I'm sorry. So I think that's that relationship. Is that is that bit? Is that teasing out? And of course, um, that the evidence to find that can be difficult as well. And 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 who has the time as such? So if you are working in public health um, and you're looking to bring in tobacco control measures to assist, um, have the opportunities to check out with these emissions. Who it is that's making these connections with you as well? And that that's the bit I think that is also um, concerning. Is um, it uh, is the the duplicitousness the um, uh, that, that engage in here because uh, public health uh, people and policymakers want to sort of do the best, if you like, and they want to listen. But um, um, uh, being able to understand who's originating the message is crucial. And uh, Ashfaq, um, I, I know that you've recently published a report, um, and you've done you've seen a lot of these kinds of groups in in, in Pakistan. Can you tell us a little bit about um, um, what you see in terms of? Um, uh, front groups or industry allies or groups that are affiliated with the tobacco industry and um, and how they operate in uh, in Pakistan? Uh, sure, George. Uh, George, over the years, the tobacco industry has interfered through front groups and uh, their allies. For example, uh, Philip Morris International and uh, Philip Morris International and groups funded by Philip Morris International like the Foundation for a Smoke-Free World use promotion and other tactics to try to pressure governments to allow these products into domestic market and uh, exempt them from tobacco control regulations, thereby undermining tobacco control initiatives and weakening WHO's Framework Convention on Tobacco Control Implementation. The WHO Framework Convention on Tobacco Control is the first uh, international treaty negotiated under the auspices of WHO. It was adopted by World Health Assembly. Um, so the WHO FCTC was developed in response to the globalization of tobacco epidemic. And in Pakistan, uh, most of the uh, front groups um, uh, are being sponsored by the Foundation for a Smoke-Free World. And uh, most uh, prominently among those groups are Alternative Research Institute, uh, Pakistan Alliance for Nicotine and Harm Reduction, Better Pakistan, and uh, Stop Illegal Trade. 
moreover, the foundation is uh, also sponsoring uh, other group for different research projects and for other social media campaigns, for uh, uh, market analysis, for deep research. Um, and nowadays, uh, uh, particularly if I, um, I talk about, especially with respect to the research study that recently uh, published by the summer, um, the tobacco industry is uh, direly and aggressively trying to uh, manipulate the market uh, through uh, its uh, harm reduction um, uh, harm reduction tools. Uh, tobacco industry is offering the mar- market with alternative tobacco products um, in which electronic cigarette is very prominent. Um, and uh, from the past one year, it is, has been observed that uh, most of the researches and activities uh, around Pakistan are being uh, uh, engulfed by the um, uh, harm reduction efforts. Um, uh, all the front groups that are being funded by the Foundation for a Smoke-Free World, they are talking about harm reduction methods and they are presenting the youth as well as adult to switch to harm reduction uh, methods uh, for a better alternative uh, to combustible smoke in Pakistan. It sounds like you have um, one major entity, the, the Foundation for a Smoke-Free World, that is funding or um, related to many, many other groups. Is that right? Yes, sure, sure, George, sure. It has been observed that um, uh, uh, the groups that we studied in the previous one or two years, like ARI, Better Pakistan, Pakistan Alliance for Nicotine and Tobacco Harm Reduction, and Association for Smoking Alternative Pakistan, all these groups are being funded by Foundation for a Smoke-Free World. I, we even have figures of uh, their funds in our research report in a complete detail, in the form of a complete detail, that in which year, how much amount was given to, the, to the, that particular group. And then the, the Foundation for a Smoke-Free World is um, linked and funded entirely by tobacco Key. companies, right? Exactly. Foundation, yeah. uh, Foundation for a Smoke-Free World is funded by annual gifts um, uh, from uh, uh, global tobacco industry giant Philip Morris International. And Phil, have you come across this group? Yeah, the Foundation for a Smoke-Free World, I mean, it says it's independent. Um, it says that it um, doesn't uh, take orders from its funder. It uh, has that uh, that claim, uh, the classic one for those front groups of acting on its own interests, produced this research, which, as Frank said, I think um, – uh, is there to confuse and to um, complicate uh, issues or uh, the evidence-based policy making, if you like. Uh, its funding comes from Philip Morris. Um, you can get its tax return. It's a public available document. Um, it has no other funders. It's just that organization. Um, I tend to think that if that one organization is the sole funder for another, that there's a, a direct relationship, you can say that it might be um, – it might claim independence, but all of its outputs, people it funds, the groups, the research, all echoing arguments which support the corporate interests for, for Philip Morris. So, and I think that you can see that while its headquarters may be in America, where its reach is actually global, uh, and, and it's a serious amount of money, millions and millions of dollars being put in. So clearly, uh, in terms of for um, for Philip Morris, um, it would not spend that sum of money unless they think it was having a result. Um, it's not doing it um, because 
because it's interested in uh, having a, a debate around issues, it's doing it for its corporate interests. Um, and, and and that's why we need to be uh, very wary about both it and those other sort of front groups as well. It's serving a, a, a distinct purpose, whatever else it might say. Well, that's sort of a, I'd like to talk a little bit about that. So, I mean, Foundation for a Smoke-Free World sounds pretty, it sounds pretty good, right? And, and our, um, our listeners um, may or may not be familiar with that group, but if they were to come across it, I mean, what, what's, what's the problem? It sounds like, um, you know, at least on the face of it, Philip Morris is actually trying to help. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's a, a very nice uh, website for the foundation, which um, uh, will, will, will trumpet some of his work as well. If you have a look at the information which TobaccoTactics.org publishes on the foundation in depth, looking at um, who's on its board and uh, who where it gives its grants to, where it operates, um, we would argue that it's serving the interests of Philip Morris. And um, there is a, a very powerful and unique piece of legislation called the Framework Convention of Tobacco Control, um, which says that national tobacco companies, tobacco companies aren't honest partners to work with. They are uh, a cause of uh, tobacco epidemic. They're not part of the solution. Um, and the foundation is one of those methods by which tobacco companies want to get around that very powerful piece of legislation, Sundance who by 182 countries, which stops government, says government, you can't interact with tobacco companies, or if you do, you need to register it because they're not part of the solution. Um, if I'm dealing with a really nice-sounding foundation that is says that it's producing information to help the debate, um, then maybe FC, the FCTC doesn't apply. Uh, maybe actually this is quite helpful. I'm, try, I'm trying to do my best to get information, but actually this is the problem is that um, these Line sounding organizations are affecting that discourse, that that, that policy uh, discussion. Um, they are trying to undermine hard, hard fought and, and well thought through legislation which um, uh, tries to protect public health from industry interference. Uh, so, this is a, a, a tool, if you like, that the industry deploys so that they can get back in the conversation. It's desperate to be there influencing. Um, arguing, making those discussions is out of the room and he wants to be in it. And the vehicle for doing that quite often are organizations with benign sounding names, but very deep pockets supplied by, by the industry. And then in some cases, I mean, it sounds like they're, they're the, the groups that are actually engaging with policymakers or um, with regulators may even be one step further removed from the foundation, right? So if it's, as you were saying, Ashfaq, um, ARI or KAC or other groups that um, have links to the foundation, you're, you're twice removed then from the original funder, the, the tobacco company. And so that can, I imagine, get very confusing for, uh, for a regulator to even keep track of all of, these, all of these groups and who they should and shouldn't be talking to, particularly if they have um, very innocuous names or they uh, appear to have kind of credible research or they're, um, you know, they have um, already existing relationships, right? Um, Ashfaq, how, have, how have you seen that these types of groups have impacted um, public policy and, and public health in Pakistan? Uh, sure, George, as uh, I have been talking earlier that uh, according to research study, according to recent, uh, recent uh, research study published by Society for Alternative Media and uh, Research, um, so, uh, if particularly I talk about the findings of that research study, uh, they all of the finding revolves around the fact that how tobacco industry is impacting the policymakers, especially the public health policymakers, 
um, in order to uh, materialize their own designs in order to um, make safe their market share. Um, for example, um, one of our findings say that they are clearly influencing the policy and administrative decisions. They are supporting governmental development projects. They are managing public pressure on policymakers. They are sharing favorable information in the form of research studies to the government in order to um, second their narrative in front of the policymakers. Uh, they are approaching political parties and government officials and offering them favors. They are ensuring the display of normal tobacco products at point of sales. They are interfering in the legal proceedings. They are offering undue favors to the government officials. So all these are tactics that are being used by the tobacco industry front groups in Pakistan. Moreover, our research study shows that they are exercising corrupt practices. They are sponsoring biased research. They are image building through corporate social responsibility activities. They are um, offering incentives for point of sale owners. The tobacco industry's predatory tactics to make novel tobacco products socially um, has become effect in Pakistan. Moreover, they are partnering with other organizations and um, sponsored events. Uh, moreover, they are manipulating um, uh, through allied groups. Moreover, they are instigating front groups to support novel products. So all these are the findings of our research study uh, that, is re that is recently published by the Society for Alternative Media and Research, which clearly exposed the tobacco industries um, uh, tactics uh, in the um, policy circles. And you said um, this relates to, to novel products. So are we talking about both cigarettes and um, electronic products, Ashfaq? Yes, yes, George. Sure, sure. I, I'm talking about both cigarettes and uh, electronic cigarettes. Some of the front groups are particularly working on electronic cigarettes whereas some of the front groups are um, working both on cigarettes and electronic cigarettes. Is that something that you've seen um, in your research, Phil? This sort of, um, uh, like, uh, is there a proliferation of groups or are, there, uh, are they focused on one area or, or the other? Yes, I think Kanashrak describes um, very well what's happening there, and I think we'll see that we see that replicated uh, across the globe. Um, and it will depend, obviously, in terms of the local conditions about particular legislation coming through. But where you might see legislation looks at um, having graphic warning on packages or plain packaging, um, we have proposals for increasing taxation. So these are known and successful tobacco control measures. Um, that's where you'll find a front group lobbying to say. Um, no, this um, no, this this will harm uh, the industry. This is where you'll find uh, a third party, so uh, an organisation which um, echoes the the arguments in the industry, saying actually this could damage jobs. Um, or you'll be finding a, a think tank putting out some research suggesting that the policies are failure. So, and you will see that from Australia, where the Australian Association of uh, Convenience Stores um, was part of a successful lobbying effort to see the Tasmanian government uh, defeat a bill to raise um, the age for, to buying uh, tobacco. Um, 
um, over to the European Union with the Tobacco Products Directive um, was described as the most lobbied piece of legislation in its history. Um, tens of thousands of submissions, which caused the whole process to, to stall. Um, and uh, tobacco industry was one of those organizations which was uh, making sure that it was getting as many uh, other voices, if you like, uh, kind of involved and dumbing up that process, uh, stopping that process from being effective. Uh, so um, all parts uh, of the globe where you see um, uh, the potential for successful tobacco control measures, um, you can expect to see some sort of pushback with the industry deploying these other voices uh, on, on, its, on, on its behalf. And um, uh, and, and it's, um, we'll see those sort of tactics uh, uh, again. Um, uh, and sort of that, that vigilance required to be uh, aware of uh, what it is to, uh, we can, uh, policymakers can expect in these cases. And so you've also um, recently published um, some some new um, new information about industry groups. Do you want to tell us a little bit about um, uh, the latest um, from uh, from your own research? So we've had um, uh, we're now at about 130 groups. Um, 25 we just published most recently on for uh, on tobacco taxing through um, our partner Exposed Tobacco or website as well with Stop. Um, uh, and there are uh, other organisations out there to, to look at as well. And the groups um, come and go, and some of them uh, disappear, and some reappear. Some are, uh, uh, have been around for quite a while. But um, the, the groups that we uh, added most recently um, are, are represented uh, globally. Um, they are looking at new, uh, new and novel products that they're, they're interested as well. So you might have something like uh, the World Vapors Alliance, which is based in, in the United States, but operates across the globe it's um it's an astroturf group it says that it represents um vapors it's actually um funded by uh by british american tobacco philip morrison japan tobacco international so it's a classic and it's using um social media particularly if, uh, to get its message across and it can be difficult to check um and cut through if you're getting a message on on facebook from an organization um it doesn't happen to say um who is funding us or who's supporting it um to check and see uh, you know why it's putting these messages out as well so you have that you've got um AMTI in, in Indonesia, um, which is uh, backed by the Indonesian um, subsidiary of Philip Morris International. And again, that's that's looking to to derail public health efforts in Indonesia, which, um, uh, you know, has it's a, it's a, a desperate needs to make sure that it's got very strong tobacco control measures there as well. And it's a classic front group set up there to frustrate, um, frustrate those activities as well. There are also ones which are operating at a very high level as well. So you've got things like Concordia, uh, we were talking about benign names um Concordia, but this is um, a crucial in terms of providing a, a platform for tobacco companies to get close to very senior um, government policymakers. So it runs events um, running parallel to United Nations General Assembly. Um, and so uh, you've got uh, operating at a global level, operating at a regional level, operating at a, a country level, these organizations trying to interfere in different ways, um, frustrate tobacco control measures. Um, get a seat at the table, trying to cover, get in a conversation with um, uh, with governments as well, um, and looking to mobilise uh, mobilise people as well, um, uh, creating these sorts of uh, fake grassroots campaigns. So um, we've, we've charted a, 
another couple of dozen of these organizations as well. And there are um, other ones that uh, we're, we're looking at uh, as well. Um, and, uh, but information, information that um, tobaccotactics.org can get, it always really useful for us to be able to source and sift through this as well. So if people have got examples they wish to share with us, um, you know, information gratefully received, it helps um, a greater understanding of what, what is, um, or what's going on and be able to, us, uh, us to inform um, uh, public health uh, about uh, what it is and who it is they're dealing with. And if I heard you correctly, you, you were talking a little bit about um, World Vapors Alliance. That's not the same. So that's that sounds like there are multiple tobacco companies working with one group. So it's not necessarily just a one-to-one. So Philip Morris is funding a group or British American Tobacco is funding a group. Sometimes they come together. Is that right? Yeah, and and you know, obviously, if you're um, uh, obviously if you're a company, you want people to buy your particular products, and um, you don't want them to buy your um, opponent's products. Um, the greater need is to have a, 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 a as a unregulated um, field as possible for for you to sell your products. So um, in that case, um, better to, to team up with uh, colleagues in that sector and undermine and create a, as open a field as possible for you then to go out and um, and and sell your your cigarette products as widely as possible. So we've seen for a long time um, uh, where uh, tobacco companies link up where their mutual interests are ensuring that public health policies are as weak as possible. Um, once that's achieved, then they'll go back to competing with each other. But it's clearly in their interest to make sure that they've got as wide open a market as possible. Um, and so, yes, we'll see those sort of shared. And you'll see in um, so um, third-party organisations, quite often chambers of commerce representing um, a particular region, uh, representative of different um, sectors, mining or, uh, or food or, or what it might be. And you'll see tobacco companies on there from different companies. Um, what we tend to see is that in those organisations, quite often the tobacco companies will try and take um, senior positions. Um, they will try and make sure they're chairing policy areas or or they're taking up um, uh, managerial positions as well. So they're very um, deliberate in their use of um, such uh, organisations as well, and and they'll be sitting alongside their colleagues from from um, elsewhere in the tobacco industry as well because it's useful for them to be able to share and and lobby together in that way as well. So, yep, um, they'll, they'll team up where they can, um, and then you know compete where compete where necessary. I think I remember seeing something like that earlier this year in Switzerland, right, where there was a uh, an initiative to restrict essentially um, marketing to children, right, of, of, of tobacco products, and I think several tobacco companies, Philip Morris, uh, British American Tobacco, Japan Tobacco all kind of came together and, and I'm not yeah. even sure that they hit it that well. <laughs> they were very, yeah. yes. they, yes. I mean, yeah. um, I mean, there was sort of like a campaign name, right. Um, but it was uh, very clearly tobacco companies coming together to oppose a, what would seem to be an obvious kind of restriction, right. Um, uh, to, to limit, um, advertising and therefore, um, uh, you know, curb the, the uptake of, uh, the kind of products from from youth, so I mean that's kind of another example, right? Of of, yeah. of a group that that um, that kind of came together, um, you know, with a uh, a name and and a mission, but was really um, yeah. you know, uh, undermining uh, public health. I actually think that 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 initiative passed, um, luckily, but um, not not for the efforts of uh, not for the efforts, uh, absolutely. Uh, and there's a really useful um, rep- uh, report, the um, uh, Global Tobacco Interference Index, which looks at countries and where which are ones most susceptible. And um, it, it may be in some of those countries which are more susceptible, the industry is more 
um, obvious, if you like, in terms of not, not necessarily hiding as such. But um, it's while we may be appalled at the idea that um, we would want to see children um, uh, as a potential market um, for the industry, it needs to create a new generation of people taking up its products. It needs to do that because it kills too many of its existing uh, consumers. So um, that's its driving need um, and therefore um, making sure that regulations around not selling to children are as weak as possible is in, is in its interest. And I guess in terms of where countries are uh, perhaps not as um, uh, robust, um, the industry is more overt in terms of how it links up. But yeah, the shared interests and, uh, and effort, and, and as you said, not for one to try and did the, did the effort pass, if you like, if you may think that um, even if we may be appalled by even wanting to kind of frustrate such a policy. Well, it's, uh, it's fascinating and it sounds dangerous, <laughs> right? Um, certainly from a public health perspective. Um, I, I guess I'd just like to ask uh, each of you one more one more question, which is um, sort of knowing uh, knowing what you know, and, and thank you for for all of the the research and the work you've done to kind of expose the, these groups and um, and uh, get get this information at least um, at least more public than it probably was. Um, I'd just like to ask you both. Um, start with you, Ashfaq. Um, what is your what is your message to uh, regulators and to um, uh, the policymakers about these kinds of groups, and um, uh, you know, what would you say to them? Sure, George. Um, uh, our uh, our message, first of all, for the government of Pakistan is uh, to treat um, is to treat that backward industry front groups uh, in the same manner as they are treating the tobacco industry. Uh, because in Pakistan, um, as we know, that law of the land does not allow tobacco industry to operate freely. So that's why tobacco industry um, <laughs> use front groups uh, to materialize their objectives. Uh, so we uh, will request the government of Pakistan to treat tobacco industry front groups um, as they treat tobacco industry. Um, so first of all, secondly, there is a lack of effective effective strategy to manage their promotional plans or curtailing the sale of alternative tobacco products. In countries like Pakistan, where resources are limited, the only option left to minimize the activities of the tobacco industry and its partners um, or stop their promotional and marketing plans is to prepare effective communication strategies to engage stakeholders the general public and potential new smokers through different means of communication, particularly social and digital media, with having strong and meaningful, meaningful contents in the present era of social and digital media. When every household has mobile phone and other gadgets to access social networking sites or apps, as in Pakistan, everyone, including low-income class families, have even access to major influencing social media networking apps on their mobile phones like Facebook, WhatsApp, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. On the contrary, this technology is currently being used mainly to attract youth for the promotion and marketing of non-combustible novel alternative tobacco products in Pakistan. Secondly, government should put a check on the advertisement and promotion of tobacco industry by its front groups and other um, entities that are involved with the tobacco industry on social media platforms 
thirdly front groups uh, when confirmed taking sponsorship from the tobacco industry should be treated under same laws used for the tobacco industry on their websites and publications they should clearly mention that we are doing this with the help of tobacco industry um however there are uh, not only front groups that are taking sponsorship other entities taking funds from the tobacco industry must be shortlisted and treated same like the tobacco industry moreover there must be a complete ban on the corporate social responsibility activities of the tobacco industry and their front groups um, uh, um, as these activities um, are improving the image of the tobacco industry especially among youth um, so we uh, from the platform of society for alternative media research request the government of pakistan to completely ban um, the uh, corporate social responsibility activities of the tobacco industry and its uh, front groups thanks ashfaq you raised some some really important points um, and particularly that the the thing that struck me was that you know it's not just that these groups are reaching um regulators and policymakers in the the corridors of of power right they're actually getting their message out directly to consumers directly to youth and they're helping to carry the message very broadly through uh social media and other channels um in a way that um indirectly but ultimately does undermine uh, and uh, and impact what's actually happening among those policymakers um so you're you're very right i think it's 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 much more broad than sort of engaging directly with um you know with with public policy um uh uh makers rather it's it's um it's much more much more broad and and um a lot more nefarious in that way um phil uh, what's what's your message to um to our audience and to policymakers and to the public health community Well, I think Ashfaq sets it out uh, well in terms of those practical steps, and you know, commend the work of him and his colleagues in terms of um, trying to um, expose and uh, limit the influence of the industry. And I think um, what I would add is that uh, there is information that's out there. So, for a policymaker to be um, uh, receiving information, you know, the World Health Organization or the tobacco control observatories, um, stop itself and expose tobacco.org, and tobacco control research group. Um, uh, there'll be um, hardworking and um, Uh, groups uh, such as like as as Ashfaq's some um, colleagues there uh, in other countries providing information check in with them you know they they've got the experience and they'll be able to give you an evidence based response it won't be an opinion it will be saying actually look at it look who's there with information is what's the arguments being made um uh, and because you'll see that commonalities of arguments i can't put up psycho taxes because it'll affect jobs you know you hear this over it's not there's an evidence base we know that successful tobacco control measures so what are the arguments being made who is it that's sitting behind it maybe why why can't i find out any information about this organization um from tobacco control research group if we publish a paper we have a declaration of interest you can see all the evidence that we've used the data sets that we've gathered you know we're quite uh quite open we have to be open in terms of how we produce the information and where we make our results from as well so if you can't see that from someone making a claim that would that would raise a, a query for me so i think i'd use those um those uh, experts that are out there either within the country or or regional or global level as well to get information and i think if if you want to take on some of the responses you need to make sure that if you're getting 100 responses and 99 are from uh, all saying the same things maybe because it's one industry response and if you 
just going to simply count 100 responses and say that 75 uh, say um, this is a bad thing to raise taxes and 25 are not. But that's that's really that's one response because that's the industry just being incredibly effective about getting lots of people to be in contact. So that's just one response. Actually, the public supports tobacco control measures. They are behind these these approaches, if you like, and you, um, uh, I think, policymakers and intend feel as if they are um, going against public. And actually, lots of people think it's, it's not. It's the industry just count, making making an echo chamber, making lots of noise, if you like, but without basis. And so, it takes some courage and some time to uh, cut through that noise. Um, but it's really important because we get better public health as a result. So. Um, do your due diligence, do the do the do the research, ask the kind of the right question, I think, and then I think uh, you'll hopefully come to uh, good decisions on on policy making as well. Um, so um, we give people the time to do that properly. Well, thanks very much, Phil um, and Ashfaq, for for joining us today. I mean, this has been a great conversation. I uh, really appreciate um, not just you joining us today, but uh, all of the work that uh, that you've been doing to help bring some of this information to light. Um, I think it's incredibly valuable, um, and I hope that we'll be able to uh, get it into the hands of policymakers and also be able to um, counter some of these messages um, as they're uh, finding their way to consumers, to to young people, and um, play our part here in in, um, helping to reduce the tobacco epidemic and keeping um, uh, youth in particular from uh, from becoming the next next generation of people that are impacted. Uh, So thank you both. Um, And uh, with that, I'll say uh, I'll say goodbye and um, have a good rest of your day, Phil, and a good rest of your evening, uh, Ashfaq. I know it's quite late there. and We really appreciate your time. Thanks both. A pleasure. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Public Health Power Hour. We hold these live conversations several times a month on Twitter Spaces. Follow us at Vital Strat on Twitter to join the conversation in real time. We'd love to see you there. To learn more about how Vital Strategies is reimagining public health, go to www.vitalstrategies.org. I'm Steve Hamill with Vital Strategies. Join us next time on the Public Health Power Hour.